So on this Sunday, as we continue with the theme, It Is Sin, um, that I have uh, been preaching since September, I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, the A portion. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 18, the A portion. So we have Romans and 1 Corinthians and then 2 Corinthians. That's in the New Testament. That's in the New Testament. And we have 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 18, the A session, the A section, the A section. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. The A section says, flee sexual immorality. That's it. Flee sexual immorality. On September the 3rd, God led me to this theme, this overarching theme, it is sin. The purpose of this series, which you can find on YouTube or on our website, is to educate us about the sins of the Bible. But not only are they only to educate us, but they also to aware us of how God look at sin. In the time that we living in today, we have turned sin into this acceptable thing. And God still looks at sin as bad. God still looks at sin as missing a mark. God, to God, sin is not acceptable. And he judges sin. As a matter of fact, God looks at sin in a way where Romans tells us that the wages of sin is death. That the only thing that sin can bring is, is death. If we, we operate in sin, it's, it's, it's going to bring death. No matter what sin it is, it's going to bring death. The Bible also lets us know that you and I who accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior has been uh, uh, removed by the blood of Jesus Christ from the power of sin. So it lets us know that, that you and I who have accepted Jesus Christ no longer have to live under the power of sin because we have been uh, removed from the power of sin. So now when we sin, we sin because we want to. For those who are unbelievers, they have no choice but to sin because they don't have the power of Jesus Christ that removed the, stain, the power of sin from their lives. As a matter of fact, Matthew stays like this, you are of your father the devil. So God looks at sin as the wages of death. We see in Genesis how sin destroyed everything. If we look at the account of sin in Jesus and, and, and I mean in Genesis, 
uh, chapter 3, when, when, when Satan, when the serpent came and, 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 and deceived Adam and Eve to disobey God, and, and, and we see that God came back looking for Adam, and he said, Adam, where are you? And Adam and Eve realized that they were naked because their eyes were open to evil, good and evil, and they were hiding from God, and God came and brought judgment down on everything because of sin. We, we see the effects of everything. Our environment was affected. The animals was affected. Our relationship with God was affected. Our relationship with each other was affected. Everything is affected by sin. And as God laid this on my heart, we look at the theme, it's sin. In September, the third of this year, we looked at James chapter 2, verse 1 through 9, and we looked at James address favoritism. Because according to the scripture, favoritism is sin. And then on September the 10th, Sunday, September the 10th in this year, we looked at Luke chapter 12, verse 13 through 21, and it tells us to beware of covetedness, which is covetedness is sin. And for those who wasn't here, covetedness is wanting more and more of what you already have enough of. That's sin. And then on September and then on September the 17th, we looked in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9 through 14. And we, and we looked at avoiding wickedness and sinful superstitious practices, meaning that because um, that we should not worship uh, satanic worship as in mediums or going to get our palm read or calling Dion Warwick trying to figure out what our future is and tarot cards and horoscopes and, and, and worshiping all those things. It is sin according to Deuteronomy chapter 18. And then we come back now in uh, Ephesians and, and uh, September the 2023 on the 24th of September, we looked at Ephesians chapter 4, 25 through 29, and we learned to put away. What are we are to put away? He told us that we are to put away the sin of lying. We ought to put away the sin of anger, not anger because anger is emotion, but when anger goes spin out of control, that anger now becomes rage, so we ought to put away rage because it is sin. Also, it tells us that we should put away foul language because cursing is sin. And then we looked in October of uh, uh, this year on uh, Sunday the 8th, and we looked at Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19, and we looked at gossiping is sin. When we gossip, it's sin. And believe me, we have a lot of gossip in the church. Amen. We have a lot of gossip, men and women gossip. And we, uh, we learned that the Bible said that gossip is sin. And then we looked at Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34 on October the 22nd, and Luke chapter 12, verse 22 through 34, and it says, stop worrying. It didn't say that we shouldn't worry. It says, stop worrying. It said, because worrying is sin. Worrying is, is a concern that spin out of control. And he lets us know that, that worrying is sin. And now, as we come today, we found ourselves here. Uh, well, actually, we, in uh, October the 29th um, uh, of this year, we looked at Daniel chapter 4, 28 through 35, and we looked at pride, the dangers of pride. And we learned that pride is, is sin in that text. And now we find ourselves today. We find ourselves today in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, the A portion, where we look at flee sexual immorality. In this book of 1 Corinthians, Paul received a letter from the house of Chloe 
to give a status and report of the church of Corinth. And in this letter, she wrote to him and, and gave him the, the status of the, the church. How was the church doing? And in his letter, Paul found out that the, the church was full of sin. Although this church was a, was a great church and a powerful spiritual edifice and, and gathering, they had a lot of sin going on. And in this, this, this chap, in these uh, books of 1 and 2 Corinthians, Paul addresses the issues that, that Chloe wrote about this church. The church had uh, issues with uh, being divided. They had some division amongst the church. There was a lack of unity, and they were fighting over who baptized who and, and who preached the best and who was the best servant leader in the house of God and it caused division, division in the house of God. And Paul says that we should not have any division in the house of God. And then Paul ad addressed the issue where they were suing each other, where they were taking each other to court to sue each other. Uh, as Christians, Paul said that we are not to sue each other. We are to let things go. We are, I know they may owe you some money. I know they should be sued. I know you should be on Judge Judy or Judge Mathis. But guess what? We should not be suing each other because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't take our issues to, to the courthouse. We take our issues to God and let God work it out amongst us. Paul tells us in here, he, he addressed them suing each other. Then he addressed the issue where they were judging each other. Where, where they will come, well, well, not judging each other. They were tolerant and judging the world, but not judging each other. They were tolerant to the sin that was going on in the church. And what Paul says is how can you judge uh, those outside the church, but those in the church is worse than those outside the church. Paul says we are not to judge those outside the church, but we are to hold accountable in judging those inside the church. And he addressed this issue because they were judging and looking down on the, the sinners, but it was so much uh, 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 sexual immorality going on in the church, and no one was saying anything. And Paul addressed this. Paul addressed their they, they tolerance to sin. They were, they were so tolerant to sin. They seen all their friends living in sin and not saying anything, not holding them accountable, not letting them know that this is wrong, and they were just allowing anything to happen, and Paul addressed this. It, and then, then it get worse than that. They even had a young man in this church of Corinth sleeping with his father's wife. And no one said anything. And Paul addressed this. Paul says, hey, how can you let this happen? How, how, you know that this is sin. How can you allow this to happen where this young man is sleeping with his father's wife and none of y'all have anything to say about it? And Paul said it was so bad in the church of Corinth that the things that they were doing, the world wasn't even doing. Matter of fact, he says it in this manner that the things that they were doing, the world turned their nose up at it like, wow, y'all doing that? In the church of God. And now Paul, we find ourselves, continue to address the issues. And he addresses in this sixth chapter, this 18 stand, he addresses flee sexual immorality. The first thing we see here in this sector, Paul commands believers to flee. He commands us to flee. Look what he says, and he says, flee. He says, flee sexual immorality. This flee means to run or escape. It means to get away. 
That's all it means. There's no fancy word. There's no uh, Greek word behind it that mean, have dual meanings. It just means run. And, and this word flee is a, a present imperative, which means it's a command that's always continuing. Watch this. He says that we ought to flee continually. He says that we ought to run and escape continually. He says that not just a one-time thing, but we always should be on the run. Y'all, 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 I ain't got no criminals in here. All the, all the criminals, don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand. But you remember back in the day when you was on the run, you, you hiding in everybody's house, getting everybody's door kicked in, trying to run. I got one honest person back there. I ain't going to say his name, but, but he, you on the run, you trying to hide. He says that be on continuance, be on run all the time. He says that we ought, to, we ought to be on the run. We ought to flee. He says that we ought to flee. Paul did not suggest us to flee. Paul, Paul did not recommend us as believers to flee. Paul does not advise us to flee. Paul commands us to flee. He, he commands us to run and continue to run. Whether you married or unmarried, we got to continue to run. Says Paul commands us to flee, and it's a continuous command. When we are tempted by sexual immorality, we ought to run. When you know your, your body is tingling, when you know he or, or she got on the right cologne or perfume, when you know they got the, the, the chalk mark on a shape up <laughs> with the hair in the can that's lined up right, that if it rain, they're gonna run down like Donald Trump lawyer. And that gets to you, you need to run. When you know you're in a spot and, and everything is right, the light is right, the moon is right, the rain is coming right, and he looking good and she looking good, and, and, and this sexual immorality come up and address you, you need to run. Said that we ought to, we ought to flee. We are not to engage or, or entangle ourselves as believers in sexual immorality. We ought to run. And guess what? This is not only for the young people, this is for our seniors too. Because y'all doing it. All you got to do is take your phone and Google AARP and they'll tell you the sexual drive of our seasoned saints. And them senior living buildings. We got some players over there. Thank God we passed having babies. This is an issue. This is an issue that, that we as believers are dealing with and society is dealing with everything we see is about this sex thing. And Paul says that we ought to run. Says that we ought to run. This is here Paul says that, he says that we ought to flee. And the beautiful picture we see of this, the most beautiful biblical picture we see of this is found in Genesis chapter 39, verse 11. Found in Genesis chapter 39, verse 11 through 12. You don't have to turn there. But in Genesis chapter 39, verse 11 through 12, Potiphar is second in command. I mean, uh, Joseph is second in command at Potiphar's house. Potiphar is the man. And he brought Joseph in because Joseph received favor from God. And he says, I want you to take care of my whole household. 
You got, you got responsibility of everything. He was the, the, the bookkeeper. He was the, 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 the money manager. He, he managed the, the, the kingdom of, 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 of Potiphar. And, he, and Potiphar said, I want you to manage this. And Joseph must have been a handsome man because Potiphar's wife could not keep her eyes off of him. Potiphar's wife chased him down. Every time he got to the house of Potiphar, he had to, he, he was, she was on him. She, she, she liked his cologne, she, she liked his hair, she liked his sandals or something. I mean, she was on him the way the scripture says. And the scripture says one day he went in to go to work at Potiphar's house and everybody was gone except for Potiphar's wife. And Joseph was in Potiphar's wife and she tracked him down and backed him in a corner and said, you're going to give it to me today. And the script, that's Pastor Pew version, but the scripture says that Joseph ran out of there. He fled out of there, and he ran so fast. When he ran, she left past her, past, I mean, part of her, his material, his gown in her hand. And she was mad that, that he didn't sleep with her, so she went and told the people that he tried to rape her and got this man locked up because of her lust and her desire for him to do something that God never allowed for man to do out only in the confines of marriage. And this is a beautiful picture where Paul says that here, he, Paul commands believers to flee. We gotta run. But not only do he commands us to run, here in this text, Paul tells believers that we ought to flee what we ought to flee from. I like Paul, he don't just tell us to run. He said, what are we fleeing from? Look what he says. He says here in verse 18, flee sexual immorality. He says that we are to run from sexual immorality. Now keep in mind, he is not talking to unbelievers. He is talking about believers in the church. He's talking about people who have surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. He's talking to people who have been baptized in the water, in WC, WSSC water. He talking about the people that sitting in Clinton Baptist Church. He talking about with people that preaching the word of God. He telling all us as believers, we ought to run from sexual immorality. He says, and this is a continuous thing. He says that we ought to run from sexual immorality. He tells us what we ought to run for from. But the issue is, is that Paul not only tell us what to run from, but he also, in this text, I want to open up what is sexual immorality. Because Paul doesn't give a word that we are familiar with. He gives a statement that we are unfamiliar with. So this word sexual, this phrase sexual immorality is a broad definition. Paul basically put any sexual explicit act under this definition. So because we don't know these, these, these explicit acts of sexual uh, uh, acts, I'm going to explain so Paul says that we ought to, he tells us that we ought to flee, and now he tells us what we ought to play free from. So he says free, he says uh, flee from sexual immorality. So, so what is sexual immorality? I'm glad y'all asked. First one I have here is adultery. Having sex with somebody other than your spouse. That is sexual immorality. That is Sin, whether you think it, because the scripture even go deeper than that. Say, if you even think of having intercourse with someone, you committed adultery. 
Not, not only the physical act. I know because some of y'all say, well, I, I, I ain't in that, but I think it. No, it's sin. The Bible says sin. When you play out in your head and you married with somebody else's wife or somebody girl or somebody else's husband, he says it's sin. It's, it's, it's sexual immorality. We ought to flee adultery. We ought, we ought to flee adultery. And then what is another one? Definition of sexual immorality. Also fornication. That's having sex and you are not married. That's having sex when you are not married. That's, that's sin. That's, that's, that's not permitted in, for as believers. It's sin. And that's, that's, that's physical sex. That's, that's rubbing. That's touching. That's all the stuff. It's all of it. It's a sexual act. And God says it's sin. He's, we ought to flee. What else we ought to flee? What else is sexual immorality? Incest. That's mean having sex with family members. That means you know you, you sleeping with your cousin or your brother. Although y'all ain't got the same mother, but y'all got different fathers. I mean, different fathers with the same mother. All, all that is sin. It's, it's, it's wrong in God's eye. And we ought to flee these things. But also, bestiality. That's having sex with animals. We ought to flee this. Because he says sexual immorality, we ought to flee. Another definition of sexual immorality is pornography. That means looking at visual or material things that, that are sexually explicit to cause a stimulation or not. We ought to not engage in, in pornography. We ought to flee these things. Now keep in mind, he's talking to believers. So we are in these things that we need to flee from because it's sin. It's not according to God's will. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to people who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. He's talking to people who claim the blood of Jesus. He's talking to people who took communion, proclaiming and the remembrance of Jesus Christ and what he has done. He says that this is sin. What else? He tells us to flee from in his sexual immorality. Masturbation. Stimulation. For sexual pleasure. He said that this is sin. It's not right. It's sin against God. What else is sexual immorality? Homosexuality, having sex with the same gender or the same sex. He says that we ought to flee from this sexual immorality. We ought not to engage in these things. We ought to run from these things. Also, object filia, filiana, whatever it is, it just means having sex with objects or romantic attraction. Object affilia. That's what it, I think it says there. Object affilia. Look it up. It's having sex <laughs> with objects or romantic attraction. I mean, you having sex with objects. That's sin. This is what the word says. Also, he tells us that pedophilia, having sex with children, is sin. And I don't care if the, the government allow it. I don't care what, what the government says, what age limit. It's, it's sin. 
and also prostitution, having sex for money, or to receive something. He says that this is sin. And as believers, we are commanded to flee this. This all falls in the line of sexual immorality. And he says as Christians, as believers of God, we ought to not entangle ourselves in this stuff. This is not who we're supposed to be. God designed sex to be created, I mean to be enjoyed in the marriage bed between a husband and a wife, a man and a woman, and it's supposed to be enjoyed together in that confinement, in that union. Everything outside of that is sin. And he says that we ought to flee this thing, it's sin. But then he comes back and he says something in verse 17, that, I mean 18, that I didn't read. And I didn't read it on purpose because I wanted to walk through this. He says that every sin, look at verse 18. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. He says, every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality, which are those things, watch this, who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Oh, man, it get deep. He says that all the other sin we do outside of our body, but the sexual immorality and the sex acts that we do is done to our body. Man, it get deep. He says, look, that it's done to our physical body, that we sinning against ourselves. Because every time you hook up with someone in any sexual act, you take a piece of them with you. Every time. So they got this thing on TikTok asking girls and guys how many bodies you got. Like this is cute. You 16 years old with 30 bodies means she slept with 30 people. She got 30 pieces of everyone she slept with because this here is done to the body. When you have intercourse and, and sex with people, you take a part of them because this is the deepest intimacy that man can ever fulfill in the physical world. So when you have sex, you, you, you connect them with them on a spiritual or, or, or soul basis where you accepting a piece of them. So here it is. I want to explain to you. So this is how God looks at it. Let me put this over here. So God looks at it like this. Deacons, y'all may can't see, but y'all, okay. So God looks at it like this. This here, paper one, is a virgin. This is how God set it up. This a, is a boy virgin. It's a girl version. I should have had this written out, but it's a boy version and a girl version. I came up with this with this morning, so I hope it works. <laughs> Me and my wife put it together. So, so this is a boy version and a girl version. Virgin. So now we have the boy. So we get a boy blue. We'll just get a boy blue. Boy can have pink too. I like pink too. So, but we're gonna give him blue. Alright, we give him blue. Alright? So we get a girl red. She'll be red. Now, keep in mind, they virgins. So now, once they, and they say virgins. They know Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen? So now they know Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. So Jesus, we'll make him yellow. We'll make the Lord yellow. So now, this red here, I mean, the, the blue here, 
is the boy who's a virgin, and the yellow is Jesus Christ. Do y'all see this? I don't want it to drip real fast. Y'all see it? Boom. There it go. And then y'all see this one, the red one? Boom. There it go. So now they, they, they both know Jesus. They both know Jesus. They both save and know Jesus because you see the yellow in them, the yellow all in them. They know Jesus. And they virgins. So what they decide, they meet in church. Or they meet outside somewhere. And, and, and they having a good time and they decide to get married. So now when they get married, they consecrate, consecrate their marriage with sex, which Jesus has designed to set up. So now what happens is boy meet girl, they know Jesus, and now they get together and they come and they consecrate their marriage in sex. So now the Bible says when you do that, you become one. So you become one. So a process of becoming one starts with your covenant with God in marriage, and then it's consecrated by the, the sexual act, which is supposed to be a virgin, and the blood of the, and break the hymen, and the blood come, and the covenant come, and now you are one. So now, guess what? It doesn't matter if I break these two up. They still one, because you can't separate this. So although we got two papers, we got one person. Because sexually, they one with each other and they one with God. Amen? Amen? So now what happens? We have them. But we have two people that are still saved. Boy and a girl. Right? Boy. Girl. Right here. Girl red. Boy blue. And they know God too. They've been to church, got saved in a youth group singing the choir, play the instruments, preaching, and everything. And now, they, but they ain't married. They, they trying to figure it out. They dating, they on the dating scene. And so happen, they, 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 they give in to this sexual morality uh, and, uh, uh, to, 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 to each other, and they got God with them. And now the, the girl go and she, she come and she connect with this guy, right? She come connect with this guy, and the boy go and he come connect with this girl. So now they save, and they, 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 they have a sex, so they connect, and, and look how they together. The boy connected with God and, and got the girl with him, but it's outside of God's will. And then the girl, she got God with her and outside of God's will, and they connected, and then they, 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 they happen to get together. So now they get together, and now what you have, she go home, and now she mixed up in all this, and he go home, he mixed up in all that. So now they got two different people, a part of two different people in their life. And everybody they go sleep with, the color will get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And God said, this is why Paul tells us in the scripture that we ought to, watch this, flee sexual immorality because it's done to our body. And then he come back with a strong emphasis. He says in verse number 19, but the body is not yours. He says here, he says that you are the temple of God. So why are you taking the temple of God and doing what you want to do with it and it don't belong to you? God bought you with a price and the price was his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross and shed his blood for your sins and my sins that we may have life and have it in God. So now because we have life in God, we can't do what we want for the body. And we have people say, but this body is sin. No, that is wrong doctrine. The body is not sin, but we have the, the, the 
nature of sin because the body says here in the same chapter that the body is the temple of God and nowhere can the temple of God have sin. So the body is not sin. We have a nature of sin. And guess what? He says the body will be resurrected. So that let us know that our physical body not sin. We have the nature of sin in us and this body belongs to God. And guess what? It belongs to him so much that we're going to be resurrected in the body. And he says, this belongs to God. So we cannot do what we want to do. This is why we got to run. So you, if you in this thing, guess what? We need to run. Because a lot of us, a lot of us are in this thing, man. I mean, Murray too. Murray, we struggling with this sex thing. We struggle, whether you're a pastor or not. Don't think because I'm sitting up here preaching, this ain't eat me up, me too. We go through this. We go through sexual desires. It's all around us. It's difficult. But I want to be right with God. I want God to see me as his precious jewel. And he see you like that. But that's why we ought to grow every single day to look more and more like God. And the way we're going to grow is where we got to know what it's in. God designed it all to set up to work in his way. Will we flee sexual immorality? Now we know we got to do better. Amen.